Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Narcissist Apocalypse Podcast, a show that gives a voice to narcissistic abuse survivors. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thank you for showing up this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Generally speaking, a narcissist is a person who has an excessive sense of how important they are. They demand and expect to be admired and praised by others and are limited in the capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. And guess what? Not all our narcissists are made equal. Yes, that's true. Narcissism is a character trait that exists on a spectrum. A small amount of narcissism is healthy, and a person with an unhealthy level of narcissism may be called a narcissist. At extreme levels, it may be diagnosed as narcissistic personality disorder. However, for the purposes of this podcast, a narcissist is a person who exhibits narcissistic traits and or a consistent pattern of maladaptive narcissistic behaviors, regardless of whether they meet the diagnostic criterion in the latest version of the DSM manual or have a formal diagnosis. So a person may be referred to as a narcissist on this podcast, even if it is more likely they have another cluster B personality disorder, such as borderline, histrionic, or antisocial personality disorder, so as long as they exhibit narcissistic traits or behaviors. And now with all of that out of the way, let me tell you that we have a narcissist abuse survivor named Irene on this episode. And she was actually one of the first people I ever recorded with. And I have been editing it for a while as I had some sound issues. And you'll notice that at the end of this episode, it's kind of abrupt. And that will be coming up soon. But before we get to that interview, I just want to thank everyone for listening to the show and emailing me all the nice things that you've been emailing me. It really means a lot. Uh, doing this show has been quite a blessing. So thank you to everyone out there. And if you haven't left us a review uh, on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, leave us a five-star review because it helps out the show. And when it comes to rankings and everything along those lines, I'm not sure how that actually works, but I think rankings, uh, not rankings, I think the, the star five-star reviews and everything like that helps out uh, somewhat. Also, if you want to be on the show, even though we have a backlog of episodes, you can always reach out at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Just drop us a line. And if you want to read a letter to your narcissist, we have a special episode for that. We have a voicemail recorder on our website. To record, just go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It's on the right side of the page, and it's always there floating. It's very hard to miss. We're accumulating letters uh, as we speak, so we can do a volume two of our Letters to a Narcissist episode. 
And besides that, what else is going on? I've been doing some homework. That was given to me uh, to help focus on what our website for the podcast will be about. So we're working on that. And right now, the slogan I have, I don't know if this will keep on being the same slogan, but the slogan for now, which may or may not be approved by the person who is in charge of me, hi to that person. Anyway, the slogan for now is share, listen, advocate, heal. And I'm, I'm leaning to that one. How does everyone feel about that one? If you have a thought about that one, email me and tell you what you, what you think about that. Also, how does everyone like the short, norm, short, short form for this podcast calling it like the nap? As it the nap narcissist apocalypse podcast. Some people I've told have liked that one so far. Some people have said, nah, too cheesy. I have no idea. Again, if you like that or don't like that, email me. Tell you if, you, if I like it or you don't like it. Thoughts on that one? Yes, no, maybe. Circle one. Remember that old game? Anyway, I'm rambling. Socially, what did I do this week? Socially, I didn't do much really. You know, a couple of nights this week, I was on the phone. I was texting with a few people lovely people out there who listen to this podcast. I also saw a movie called Booksmart. If you haven't seen it yet, I think it's the best comedy I've seen this year. So I actually laughed out loud. It was pretty funny. So if you haven't seen that, go see that. And now I'm just going to get out of my own way. Here is my interview with Irene. And I'll check back with all of you when it's over. So we are here today with Irene. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, So you are a narcissist abuse survivor. You were in a relationship with someone for uh, eight years. And uh, I'm now going to uh, let you just tell your story. So uh, first of all, thank you for sharing this with us. And now I'm going to get out of your way. Okay. Um, story started, I want to say, fall, no, yeah, October 2009. Um, I went to visit my friend. Um, she's from a smaller town. And I ran into my now ex. He was out with his grandmother at a festival. Um, just, we just started talking and everything. And he, he kind of, I guess he kind of sized me up. And he was like, oh, he said, you're nice. I was like, I didn't really say anything. Um, before I met him, um, I kind of came out of another situation uh, where the guy was being dishonest. And I kind of I kind of took that really hard. And it to the point where I landed in, um, I got really depressed really, really depressed in a a mental hospital. So I was during that time, I think I was maybe out for a few months and I was still dealing with my depression. So when I met him, I wasn't in the best of state. Um, So I met him at the festival. Um, After I left that, I exchanged numbers and I really forgot about meeting him. I really did forget about meeting him. Um, A month later, I get a phone call. I didn't recognize the number. I'm leaving work during lunch break. I get a phone call from him and he wants to know who the number was for, who, you know, he, I guess he didn't remember who, you know, who, who I was and everything. So I told him who I was and he's like, Oh, okay. So we started talking, we started exchanging 
talking through text message first. I was like, well, he seems like a pretty cool guy, you know. And um, we went out. He asked me out on a date. He lived. I lived in one city, um, and he lived in another city. At the time, he lived in another city. And we went on a date. Our first date, it was pretty typical first date. Went to a restaurant. We just kind of hung out. The conversation, which was now I look at it now, it was a red flag. Um, How so? Well, the conversation, he asked me a question regarding, asked me all these different random questions. Something about water, fish, or something like that. I don't recall, but it was it was a red flag. And I said, "Well, what is all the what the questions mean?" And he said, "Well, he started breaking it down to me is something about how I like sex or something like that, and that I like something like sex wet or something. It was some it was something strange. And I was like, "Oh, okay." Which I was like, "Oh, all right." So I, I thought, you know, hey. I, I was like, this is not going anywhere. So I told my friend, apparently my friend, she knows him and everything. And she knew of, she knows of him because um, they're from the same town. And um, I asked her, I said, well, what do you think about him? And she was like, well, he's good, you know, to go hang out with. But I, she was like kind of hinting out I wouldn't get any, I wouldn't get serious with him. I said, well, in what way? I said, I'm like, has he been involved in a relationship? He's like, yeah. I said, well, what, what are the red flags? She's like, she just her my best friend was like, well, I think he's just messy. She said, that, that was the only thing. I, I said, that's the only thing? She's like, yeah, I think he's messy. He's very messy. I don't like the people that he hang around. I was like, okay. I was in, at that time in my life, I, you know, it's like my late 20s. I'm 39 now. And I'm like, I I had this thing, I had this this idea, you know, hey, I like to, yeah, I like to see how people, you know, get how people think, but I want to, I, I want to see them for myself and I don't want to be judgmental or going off judgmental like that. So I was like, okay, so I said, oh, we just be friends or something like that. So I went back home um, to my other city. I lived an hour away. And so we were talking on the phone. And at this time, I was living with my parents. I was going through some financial dis- hard, some financial hardship at that time. And as we were talking on the phone, and he started t- telling me this whole spiel, you know, hey, I, I know that you've been hurt before. Um, I would never hurt you. You know, just it's just being charming, just laying it on, you know, saying just saying everything I want to hear. Yeah, that, that, that knows he, that he's your protector. And, yeah. 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 And he was just saying everything like, I know you've been hurt before. Um, you know, y- y- you, I just, just give me a chance to show, to show me so I can show you who I am and everything. And I want to be, I want to be able to give you the life that you need. And, you know, I'm early. This is like, I'm like 28 at this time. I'm like, well, dang, I never heard anyone talk to me this way. And so so it kind of swept you off your feet. Yeah, swept me yeah. off my feet. Um, from that point on, I remember at the it was the middle of the night. I drove to his house at, at midnight. It was foggy. I couldn't see anything. <laughs> I'm like, I'm saying to myself, what am I doing? What am I doing? I drove 
to his house that night and um, we ended up sleeping together that night. Um, it kind of, it, I mean, this, the first couple of weeks to a month, it was just, wow. It was like, it was like a storybook, you know, walks in the park and everything. We, he had me serenaded in the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every, I mean, everything you can think of, he did it. Um, he didn't let me meet his, you know, his, cause he was raised by his grandparents. He didn't let me meet his grand, which is, I, I was like, you know, I understand that, you know, you want to make sure before you introduce me to your family that, that you're serious about me. And I felt the same way. Now I was like, okay. So, I mean, it was just like a storybook romance. I'm like, wow, I think I met the one I can't, I can't believe this. I've never been treated that way in my life. Um, so we, Started dating, I think. Um, trying, trying. It's been eight years. <laughs> well, nine now, nine years now. Um, we just, we, you know, we were just dating and, you know, hanging out. He, like, I remember, I was at my friend's house and he wanted to come see me, like, at eight o'clock at night. I'm like, okay. And it was raining really bad, and he drove across. This, and where I'm from, I'm from Louisiana. And they have this plate, this little thing. It's like this bayou you have to cross. And when it rains, you can't see anything. And he drove across that in the storm to come see me at night. I'm like, wow. I'm like, he must really like me. You know, <laughs> he risked <laughs> you know, his life to come see you. Risk, yeah, risked his life to come see me. And I'm like, wow, I just can't, I can't believe this. So, a few months later, um, have, you know, things go down the road and, you know, we were, things were getting hot and heavy. Um, this is like, I've never been, this is like, well, to back up, this is like my, that was my first real relationship. I've never been in a relationship before. So I didn't, I didn't know exactly what to expect. I mean, I knew, I didn't know how to be a girlfriend so I was just kind of just being myself and, you know, my parents had been married for a long time. So they, they kind of told me, you know, <laughs> you know, it's courtship thing. So I was just trying my best. I'm like, I'm just feeling in the dark, you know, as to how to do this. Um, and eventually um, my, it was my sister-in-law, she came up to me and he told me this before that he was engaged. He told me this um, while that the first day that he was engaged, that the engagement, you know, went south, they broke it off. He didn't tell me why. Um, so, so while he met you or, and you're you're kind of dating, he was Mm -hmm. engaged, but then. No, he wasn't engaged. The engagement was off. Okay. The engagement was off off before he started. Okay. Yeah. The engagement was off. Um, he said that he told me, he told me all this on the first day that, um, at that time he was single, maybe six or seven months. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm like, I don't want to be a rebound. I'm like, is this your first time dating? Just, and I'm the first one you dated since you got out of the relationship, you know. But um, so fast forward to January. Um, and also he told me that he was in law school. Hold on to that. That's very important right there. Okay, I, I'm, writing, I'm writing that down. <laughs> he was in law school. That's very important. Okay. He had a law school shirt, everything. How, how old was he at the time? He was, I was 28. He had to be 25. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm like three or four years older than him, than, he, than he was. Okay. Um, so I remember I had, you know, I'm a very a spiritual person. I believe in God and everything. 
And I remember I had a dream that night and I was like, okay, it was something strange about him. That was another red flag. That's what I've learned to start paying attention to my intuition. And the dream that he, that he got involved with a friend. And I was like, no, I just kind of shook. I was like, this is just a dream. Did you look well, that up on like the dream uh, on the internet? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what did it say? Yeah. I don't remember what it said, but I pay attention to dreams and I was, I don't remember what I, what I thought at the time, but I was just, I was like, I just being cautious, real cautious. Um, so I'm still living with my parents and everything. He, he told me that he had an apartment in the city, in the city that, that, that I lived in because he was going to college there too. He was going, he was in, he was, he told me he was in law school. The law school was in that city. So he was driving an hour back and forth. That's what he told me. Um, that he was, he was in school, but not for what I thought he was for. Okay. So he told me that, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to New Orleans to go take the bar exam. I was like, oh, okay. So he's like, well, I'll, you know, he's like the bar exam, I think it's like two or three days or something like that. So I'll, you know, I won't be, I won't be in contact with you. Um, so I'm going to be down there. I was like, okay, you know, it's been what, three or four months. I didn't really think much of it. So your relationship is now three to four months in. Yeah. We're three to four months in. Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And he's like, he, he's going to take the bar exam and everything. I'm like, oh, okay. He's going to take the bar exam for the Texas and Louisiana. Remember, this is, keep that. That's important too. Okay. <laughs> I'm writing um, this all down. Okay. Um, so, you know, something my intuition told me, you know what, you may want to check to see if the bar exam is really going on down there. So I had a friend who worked at the law school that he claimed to have gone to. And I was like, Hey, you know, I called him. I said, Hey, is the bar exam going on in new Orleans at this time? And he was like, no, he said that the bar exam was last week. I was like, what do you mean? He said, the bar exam, he said, everyone from here took the bar exam last week. I was like, oh. I said, well, why didn't you tell me he was taking the bar exam now? So I called down to New Orleans. I asked the same question. And I was like, I asked him, I said, is the bar exam going on right now? And he was like, no, that was last week. So for two or three days, I mean, he came back from New Orleans. He had his clothes he was driving his grand his grandparents' Mercedes. <laughs> um, he had clothes, and he stopped by to see me at my parents' house. And I was like, "Oh, I said, I asked, I was like, okay, how was the bar exam? Oh, he said, oh, it was so hard and everything. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, okay. So that kind of oh, so you didn't even call him out on it yet? No, I haven't called him out on it yet. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So, and I knew that the bar exam wasn't what, what at the time he said it was 
And so, and that was, I, I, I knew something was right. I let it go. That was the first, that was my first mistake. So, <laughs> so for everyone out there who may not have dealt with a narcissist or anything like that before, can you explain maybe why, uh, you, you might've let it go who haven't been through something like this? I guess because I wanted to believe him and were you still I, feeling, I guess, the effects of the uh, the initial love bombing? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. That's I think that's what it is. I was still like, oh well. I, I guess I was in in love. So and, and you're and you're used to this, uh, all of the attention, all of the uh, yeah, uh, not just the attention, but the things that you had never heard before. He knew exactly what he was saying, what he was doing. Yeah, and, and he knew he had you, and I guess it probably at that point I would. I'm going to assume that uh, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to assume anything because he, you didn't call him out on it. So I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking. Okay. And let you continue your story. Go back. Okay, so we're dated for a year, and I eventually meet his grandparents, and um, I remember meeting them at a restaurant in my hometown, and I met his grandmother. I met his aunt first, and his grandmother was. She she was at this time she was in her sound mind. She was at her sound mind and his they you know just give me it was drilling me and everything and I, I kind of expected it and I was like I have nothing to hide you know this is who I am. So from what I gathered they kind of like me <laughs> and they're like oh okay so I was working working at a I was working at a large corporation at this time. Um, so I, I mean, they they like me. I had my own job. Had you know, at this time I was living with my parents, but I was getting ready to move back out to get my own place. So from there, I eventually went back to his hometown. I met his rest of his family, and he would make this statement. You know, I guess everyone um, kind of asks, "Oh, is this your girlfriend?" He's like, "I don't." And he and this was another red flag. I didn't pay attention to. His statement was, I don't believe in red, I don't believe in titles. Okay. And I was like, what? We've been together for about nine months now. You don't believe in titles. So I'm like, okay. And you know, this is my first revelation. I'm thinking we're together now. We've been dating this long and we're, I'm thinking, okay. So are we official or not? You're you're talking every day. Yeah, we're talking every day. We're hanging out. We're seeing each other every day. And you're telling your friend or family member that you don't believe in titles. You think that was a way of him hiding everything from his family so they wouldn't question anything? I I don't know. I I don't know. I I have no clue. Um, But now it, it disturbs me now. But back then, I didn't really. I, I it disturbed me back then. But I guess I was like, I was still in that love bombing stage, and I kind of overlooked it. And so, um, when I eventually meet his mom, well, you didn't overlook it. You were in a trance. Yeah, I was in a trance. Yeah, I was in a trance. Um, but I, I eventually meet his mom. His mom. She has an alcoholic problem. She's an alcoholic. Um, and when I, whenever I told him that, he didn't like me saying that. But um, she's an alcoholic, and 
I met, we went to, the, she would go to these little, little, little juke joints that was in the, in the small town they were in. Um, so I met her and she was very, just very ugly to me when I first met her. And he had to talk to her and, you know, kind of like, don't act that way. You know, just tell him, don't act this way. This is failing. You know, this is so much. Don't act this way. You be nice to her and everything. And I just feel like she came, she was very, very, came off very like, like this standoffish. Like, I don't know who you are, but I don't want to be bothered by you. That's, that's what I kind of got from her. Like she was a snob. I'm sorry. Like a snob? No, she wasn't a snob. She was she was you can tell she had a hard life. Okay. And she was she just had this tough exterior to her. And she was just like, I don't want to be bothered, you know. She and she comes off very very straightforward and very like I don't know you, I don't want to get to know you. Yeah. Um that eventually changed, you know. Uh, you know, she eventually starts liking me and we start talking and everything else, um, through the years, um, up until the end. And, but eventually I move out of my parents' house. I was like, Hey, you can come stay with me now. You know, I have a place <clears throat> in such and such city and you can come stay with me. So eventually he does come, comes over. He starts staying the night and everything. Um, one night turned into two nights, two nights turned into three nights, a week. <laughs> and then he eventually starts living with me. So we're living together. And at this time, I didn't tell my parents that we were living together. They told me they had a clue, but they weren't, they didn't want to say anything. <clears throat> so we were living together. His name wasn't on the lease at the time. And that's when I kind of find out that he's actually in grad school. He's not in law school. I didn't say anything. How did you find that out? <clears throat> um, I think the, the courses that he was taking, it wasn't, it wasn't, I think I kind of figured that it was, wasn't about, it wasn't law school courses. It was more like political science courses Oh yeah, so, or, so, so, so so something you would take before yeah. you would go to law school. Yeah, yeah. And he was just working on his master's. That's what he was doing. And he was like, "Well, are you going to help me write my thesis?" I was like, "Help you write your thesis?" I said, "What do you need help on?" Well, I need to get these books and I need, he 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 named the list of books. I'm in the library looking for these list of books for him. I'm ordering books for him. I'm doing all this stuff to help him with his thesis. And <clears throat> as I'm, you know, helping him with all this stuff and I'm helping him write his thesis, <laughs> he's writing and he's, you know, we're living together. So he's like going over um, his thesis with me. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, you know, that's another thing. Like you, you're in law school. You wouldn't have to do a thesis. Mm-hmm. So, so he, so again, you uh, didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. And before you were there, who who wrote his papers for him before you got there? He told me his ex helped him. Okay. Which 
put a pin right there. We're going to come back to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so he said, you know, that, you know, he, this is what he said. I expect if you want to be with me, I expect, I expect you to help me to do, help me do my research. And he's demand like, like you expect me to do, do your research. Like what? So I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I'm like, okay, well, I have no problem helping anyone do their research. But if I had time, you know, I had access to the library, I can help you. So I kind of helped him do his research and help him present, yeah, help him with his thesis. So he went to present his thesis. He did really well. And congratulations, you did really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, now I'm thinking about you. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you did. You you got your master's in what? For him, social science, social Social science. science. There you go. You should get another degree. (laughs) Yeah. So um, he he eventually graduates, um, and this is how I know that he was not in law school. We didn't go to a law school graduation. We went for his master's graduation, and so when we get back to his hometown, he's telling everyone that he graduated from law school. So is at this point, he's lying to you, but do you start realizing that now you start realizing that he's just a compulsive liar to everyone? No, at this time, no. Um, It takes me, I guess I'm a dingbat. It takes me a while to get it. (laughs) But, um, and I asked myself, when we're going to your, I asked myself, when when are we going to your law school graduation? He said, oh, they're going to mail it to me in the mail. I was like, What? And so he eventually, he, I'm looking at his master's um, degree, and and he's like, oh, this is my, my law school degree. And I look at the law school degree, it's the same size as the master's degree. And I'm putting two together, I'm like, this is not a law school degree. He purchased a degree from somewhere. Yeah. It's a fake degree. So he was showing everyone his law, this fake law degree. And everyone, will, people will come to him asking him for legal advice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, he's not in law school. He never went to law school. And so all this is going on. And he just, it's just so much that happened within eight years. I'm trying to go through, I can't go through everything. But the law thing was really pivotal. Because when I eventually found out, when I eventually confronted him, it was after not the one grandmother that took care of him, his other grandmother death. I confronted him after she passed away, and I was like, "I'm." I, and I called the university. They said he was never enrolled in the university, never enrolled in law school. They have no, <clears throat> they have no documentation of him ever being there. So when you say never in the university, he never got his master's either. No, he got his master's. Okay, okay. That, that was real, that but was he real. was never enrolled into the law school okay. that he said he went to. He never enrolled. I'm thinking maybe he probably was in there. He dropped out. No, he never enrolled. He was never admitted into the law school. So he has everyone in his small town to this day believing that he went to law school. <clears throat> so you confronted him, and then what happened? I confronted him after his grandmother passed away. I waited a few weeks. Because you didn't want to break her heart? No, I didn't want to break. I didn't want to break. I know he was going through something and this was his grandmother. He was from his mom's side. 
I knew that he was close to her. And I was like, I'm going to wait a few weeks and I'm going to confront him. And for some reason, something told me to record. <clears throat> okay. So, because the reason why I record, because there was, there was an issue before that. I know I'm going all over the place. <laughs> oh, no. I, I like the fact that, like, uh, the first time you're doing a confrontation, that you had the wherewithal to record it. Uh, well, this is not the first time. Well, this is not the first confrontation. Okay. I started recording because of the first confrontation. What, what, what was that? What happened there? Well, that first time he met my sister, my sister pretty much came off. She was like, I, she, my sister, if you were to meet my sister, she's this very short person. She's very opinionated. She's like my, she's like my mother, but she's a little bit more direct. And he, he, for some reason, he did not like that. She didn't like him. Cause she could see through him. She saw straight through him. Yeah. She, the people, narcissists, everyone's listening. Uh, narcissists immediately when, or sociopaths or psychopaths, when they meet someone and that person sees right through them immediately, um, they know that that person has seen right through them and there's just this weird tension and everything that's going uh, along with it. They, they know that this person knows and, uh, they might say that they don't like that person. Uh, did, mm-hmm. Is that what your uh, boyfriend yeah, said about yeah. your sister? Immediately, yeah, they don't yeah. like that person. Yeah, or come up with reasons to not like them. Yeah, and reasons. One of the reasons was I was helping. I was helping her. She was home from from grad school visiting, and that's when they first met. And she, she's, she's me like I don't like him. Yes. So, so for I, I guess to explain, um, in this case, he was trying to make your sister out to be something, so you would turn against her. Yes, Therefore, yes, that's what he wanted me to because do. Because he, he knew that she would be a person that would help you fight against him. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. So, after, so we uh, we went home after that, after we left my parents' house. And I think that morning, because I was supposed to meet my friend for lunch. And that morning, and all of a sudden, he went into this rage. I've never seen it before. Like the eyes and everything. I've never seen that side of him before. And he just got in my face. And I'm like, I'm in the kitchen. I'm putting things, I'm put I'm I'm cleaning the kitchen, I'm putting things away. He just got in my face and started pointing his finger. <clears throat> and my first reaction to it first my first reaction is, let me get away from you. That was my first reaction. And whenever I try to walk away, he will follow me. And like I will go to the bedroom. And I got to the point where I just got tired of him berating me. It was like he was tearing me down about my family and everything else. And I just got berated. And I just, I just started, I was like, leave me. I, I just, I kind of pushed him away. Like, leave me alone. So he pulled out his cell phone and he started recording me. He started recording me and that made me more angry. It made me more angry that he was recording me. He was provoking me on purpose. <clears throat> And I would tell him, I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm recording you for, for evidence. I said, for evidence? For what? I'm recording you for evidence. Just in case I, just in case you do something to me, I have evidence that you did it. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, my, I'm like are you fucking serious? <laughs> evidence that I do something to you? I haven't even touched you. 
He's like, you, you just, and, and I was trying to walk away. I, I, I remember I walked out the apartment and he was trying to stop me from walking out the apartment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And my thing is, if when I'm angry, the first thing I want to do is leave the situation. For me, the best thing for me to do is leave. He's like, no, I don't want you driving like that, angry. I said, no, leave me alone. I want to get out the situation before I do something. And we were just going back and forth. I've never argued like that before with anyone. <clears throat> and he just started it. Just, And I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? So I went to my friend's house and I was sitting at their couch. I'm crying and everything. I'm like, we just had a fight. And like, they're asking me, what's wrong? I said, he and I just had a fight. I don't know what's going on. I said, he just started, started just picking at me for no reason. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so all this is happening and it's like maybe 12 o'clock at night and he's still in the apartment. I'm like, I refuse to go back in there. So I'm trying to make a decision. Should I sleep in my car? Or, you know, wait till he goes to sleep because I didn't want to be around him at that time. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just, I'm like, I've never experienced that type of art. Never, you know, I, I, I've never been through that. But I, what I noticed is that that's normal for his family. They argue like that. And I've seen them argue like that. And that's normal. They all, all of them, that's how they interact with each other when they argue. And I'm like, wow, my family, we don't, we have never done that. Never done that. Um, so that was foreign to me. Um, so that was one argument we had. Um, another argument, something happened and I just left the apartment and I was, to, I didn't have, I had very little money on me. I'm like, do I go get a hotel room or do I sleep in my car for the night? I was this close to sleeping in my car. I didn't, I didn't cut. I'm sorry. I w- I couldn't, I couldn't go back to my parents' house. because I didn't want them to know that we were living together. So I was like, I'm going to go ahead and just get a hotel. Um, I had, I didn't have much money. He wasn't helping out with the bills. I was paying for everything and he was living with me. So I went and got a a hotel and he stayed at the the apartment while I wasn't there because I had to get away from him. Um, That was another instance. And it was just so many instances Um, like he was being mean to his grandmother now, at that time now, his grandmother is now suffering from Alzheimer's. She has dementia. And he would do things to provoke her. And I'm like, why are you doing that? And he was just being completely disrespectful. And that was the first time I actually saw. Well, now, that was not the first time. This is, I, this is the first time I actually paid attention 
to the, you know, the narcissistic, the, the glare. That I was like, it scared me to, he was sitting in the dark and I was, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get away from him. So at that point you felt that, um, I wasn't safe. You weren't, you weren't safe that he was more of a predator. Yeah. yeah. And he had that narcissistic stare as if, if I can kill you right now, I would. Mm-hmm. And get away with it. Yeah. And I left and I went, cause at this time his grandmother his grand his grandfather took his grandmother to a nail salon, so I went with them. I just went and sat with them. I drove and went with them. They were like, "What's wrong?" I said, "I didn't say anything," but he was sitting in the dark and he was just. I just had to get away because I, I once you see that that stare, you never forget what it looks like. That stare, that stare, it, it, it scares you because you don't know what what is going through his mind and. When I came back with him, he was like, yes. He said, I want to, I want to apologize. You're right. I said, apologize. He said, yes. He said, you're right. And he didn't tell me what I was right about. His dad, his dad's a narcissist also. His dad's a narcissist and his grandmother, the one who now has dementia is also a narcissist. So he has narcissism throughout And his mother, the one who didn't came off cold, Stand office with me. She's also a narcissist. So this, you have a family full of narcissists. <laughs> um, his dad is a narcissist, and he would do a lot of triangulation between me, his dad's family, and his other siblings. So they'd work together to put you down, or make you act like you're down. crazy, or things like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, this didn't happen. Joey over here says it didn't happen either, so therefore you're wrong, even though Joey yeah, knows. They, yeah, everything. they knew that they knew he was doing wrong, and they defended him. They knew that he was being abusive towards me, and they defended him. Mm-hmm. It's like, no matter what he did, oh, because he was funny, he Did they ever make use the line, back. like, but he has a good heart. Anything like that? I've heard that. I've heard that before. He would he he would even say that. I have a good heart. I have a good my reputation. I have a good reputation out there, which he doesn't. He does not have a good reputation at all. So um, so when his family started really getting involved in it, now we're at like how many years in? Like when they're we're really like, really we're like we're like six years in. Yeah. So it's, so it took them a long time, but eventually, when uh, eventually they became part of the whole. Uh, take me down. Yeah, yeah take, okay. me down. Yeah, so, so you're, there, and you're being uh, verbally abused at this point, or are you being physically abused at this point? I'm, there was a lot of gaslighting going on. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of gaslighting was going on. Um, they helped him. They would, they would just his his stepmom in particular. She would be very critical because they were all about having this big houses these expensive cars and all these material things. And they thought they were more than anybody. If you didn't have that, you were lesser than them. So uh, we're six years in, this is all going on. You're being gaslit. You probably think that you're going crazy. 
Uh, yes. Have you gone to your family or friends and told them what's going on, or are you too embarrassed no, well, to? My, this is one thing my mother and my dad always told me. They told me, whatever goes on your relationship, you two need to work it out. Okay. And that's what I was told. I was always told. So that was the on. example, and you tried to do it even where if they where maybe if they said something differently growing up, you would have gone to them sooner and this could have stopped sooner. Possibly. Yeah. 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 See, at this time I didn't know, I didn't know about gaslighting. I didn't know about, I knew he was narcissist. I knew he had narcissistic tendency, narcissistic tendencies, but I didn't know about narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder. I didn't know about that. I didn't know how he was psychotic. I didn't know any of that. It's, it's, it's about to get worse. Okay. <laughs> get, um, bring on the worst. The worst. Okay, so 2014, my company decided to sell the business that I was in. Yeah. So I had an option either to move to New York or to move to um, South Carolina. I talked them out of that I didn't want to go to New York. Um, so they were like, well, we're going to sell the business that you're in to another company. And they're going to decide where you go. So um, the business was, it was bottoming out. And they were like, well, okay, well, you're going to have to move to South Carolina. And my my first thing, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be away from my family. I don't want to be away from him. I want to be nearby. So um, my old boss, he's like, well, I hear there's a job offering, offer in Houston. Do you want to go to Houston? I was like, okay. He said, yeah, so-and-so from the... the uh, um, the company that I was at, he now worked there. Two people that from that company used to work there. So I interviewed. He drove me over there for the interview. He just graduated from grad school. He drives me over there for an interview. I go over there for an interview. I get hired on the spot. I'm like, wow. So I'm like, okay. They're like, well, we want, how soon can you start? I'm like, well, I guess I'm moving to Houston. Now, mind you, his dad and his family, his dad's family live in Houston. So I'm like pretty much like 20 minutes from where his dad and them live now. <laughs> and his sister, yeah, all of them, they're living in that area. So I'm like, okay, so I'm moving to Houston. My my parents, they were ecstatic. Like, oh, great, you're moving to Houston. My At this time, my sister graduated from grad school. She's living in another city. She's working. Um, everybody's doing well. And he got very my dad kind of told me he said he's jealous of you i said why i said he sh he said he was happy he's like no he's not happy he's jealous of you because you got here he he just graduated with his phd and you got this job offer in another city and i'm like well i said well how is that possible how i mean he he can't be jealous. So he's helping me find a place to live. We're, we're over in Houston trying to find a place to live and everything. He's going to come to Houston and he's telling me he's going to come to Houston to live with me. So <clears throat> we get to Houston. I get a place to live. So I, I, what I do, I am a chemist and the lab that I, that I was working at was the place that he picked the place out for me. He said, well, I want you to be right around the corner, not that far from your lab. So, I don't want you to be too far. You get stuck in traffic. I'm like, okay. So he's looking out for me. Well, he's like, well, I'm a, so he was looking for jobs in Houston and everything. 
he couldn't find a job in Houston or at the pay rate that he wanted. That's what he couldn't find. Um, so he, he got hired by his university. He was doing something in the, in, in the, at the university. Um, well, he was doing assessment. He was assessing students in their performance. <clears throat> so he got hired. He got really excited in that career. And I was like, well, you know, you can do the same thing at this university here in Houston. You can do it at this university. And he was like, he was like, he was content. Before I moved over there, he started crying. And I was like, why are you crying? And he was like, well, who, what's going to happen to me? I said, well, I'm cut. I said, you know, I will, you know, we, I have the apartment in Houston. I said, my name will still be on the lease back in the apartment, back in the, my hometown. I said, your name is going to be on this lease too. So we would just go back and forth <clears throat> until we were able to get together. He was like, okay, okay, okay. We're going to work this out. We're going to work this out. So, um, so 2016, so we're just going through the motions. 2016 happens. And July comes, my dad had a, he had a massive heart attack. He had a massive heart attack. I'm four hours away and I'm trying to get back home. And I called him and I, I let him know he was in Chicago at a conference at the time. And I said, my dad just had a massive heart attack. I got to get home. He's like, I'm going to book you a plane ticket. I'm going to book you a plane ticket. I said, I can't, I can't wait for that. I, I need to get home. So. I'm driving home. I don't know whether my dad is alive, dead or alive. I got to the point. I didn't want to answer any more phone calls. I just want to get there. Um, so I get there. Um, my dad's pretty much in a coma. When I'm there, I just, I, I, I went, instead of going to my parents, I went to the apartment. As I'm sitting in the apartment, I'm looking around. And what is playing in this? Now we're in, we're in the relationship going on six years now and I'm I'm looking around the apartment I see, you know everything everything that belongs is, is mine and I'm like what the hell am I doing here I said what are we doing you know because I'm thinking to myself I'm about to lose my dad I always wanted to get married he may never see my grandchildren um, I want I want him to walk me down the aisle all these things mean that never happened it can be taken away from me within a day or two if he doesn't wake up. So as I'm walking around the the apartment and I'm going through, I'm going, I'm looking for night clothes or something like that because I didn't pack anything with me. I just got on the road. I was sleep, I'm just gonna go to sleep. And as I'm going, I'm, I'm going through the drawers, and I went, I opened his drawer. I noticed there was a pack of condoms. And I'm like, why does he need condoms? You know, because we never use condoms. I'm like, why do you? Why are you using condoms? And I was like, no. So I started, I started freaking out, and I take, I started pulling stuff out the apartment. And I started filling my car up as much as possible, everything that I can get in my car. The, the big things I couldn't get out. I didn't have anyone help me. Once again, I didn't want my parents to know that I left all my stuff <laughs> in my apartment. I didn't want them to know. My dad eventually wakes up. He wakes up and everything. And he comes to the hospital. My ex comes to the hospital with all my family there. 
And I just looked at him strange. I just looked at him strange. I was talking to him as normal, but I just looked at him strange. Something strange was about him. There was something strange about him. And I was like, okay. I said, well, I'm going to head back to Houston. I have to go to work, but I'll be back. And he was like, okay. You know, just, he gave me a kiss and everything. And, um, I told him I'll be back this weekend. I like, I said, I'm coming back this time on the bus. Are you going to pick me up? He's like, yes, I'm gonna pick you up. So I, I'm on the, I'm on the road heading back and he walks into the apartment and he noticed that all the stuff that I had in there, I took everything out and he immediately goes off on me. Now, mind you, this is all the stuff I had before I met him. And he immediately goes off and says, you took my stuff. You took everything that belongs to me. Why did you do that? And my first, I'm like, what? I said, none of that belongs to you. What are you talking about? I said, everything in there is still my stuff. Whether I'm there every day or not, that's still my stuff. And he's like, you, you did this. You broke my watch. I'm like, I didn't break your watch. I, I didn't even touch your watch. I didn't touch none of your things. And he's like completely going off and like this little, little kid rant and accusing me of everything that I've done. And I'm kind of like, Oh my gosh, what I'm like, what is going on? What is going on? So before I did, before I moved everything out, I noticed that there was some women, it was like women's shoes or socks in the apartment and he told me that was his sister's stuff um, because she her trailer flooded and she had nowhere to put it I'm like well she, there's a storage unit where she lives why she has to bring it over here pin mark right there that's pivotal <laughs> this is before I before he changed the lock I noticed all this and so when I come back to town the next time I noticed that he changed the locks. The key that I had did not work anymore. I couldn't get in there. Now, mind you, my, like I said, my dad, he wakes up and everything. And then all of a sudden. So you just had I, the worst day of your life. Yeah. And uh, he's acting in a way that is uh, like this didn't even happen. Everything is now about him in a way and mm-hmm. eventually he changes the locks on you because of this uh his mind i guess what he's changed the locks because uh he doesn't want you snooping he doesn't want me snooping or taking taking anything out of there okay um the reason behind it was because he was cheating yeah the whole time um so 2017 comes, well, 2017 comes, he gives me a gift for Valentine's Day. I'm like, okay. So you still, so it's now 2017 and you still haven't broken up. Uh, you know that he, it has been cheating, but it hasn't been. No, I don't know that he's been cheating. Oh, but Not, but you, have, you, you have a suspicion. I have a suspicion. Yes. Um, so 26, oh, let me go back. 2016, his friend gets married. The one that was married to someone, he's now getting married. We go to his wedding, go to his wedding. And he's acting very suspicious. And as I'm trying to talk to him, he gives me this narcissistic stare. 
like this, this smirk. And I just get, I just get angry. And I noticed that one of the groomsmen is just staring at me, looking at me and like, he had this look of concern on his face. So I eventually leave the wedding. I didn't say anything. I just walked out, went back to the hotel. And, and I noticed that as I'm at the hotel crying about what happened, I, I see that they're on FaceTime or they're on Facebook live and they're still partying. He's dancing like nothing happened. Um, well, before it happened um, at the wedding, one of the groomsmen, the best man came up to me. And he said, he said, you're still in Houston, right? I said, yeah. And he said, how are things between you and -and so-and-so? I said, it's going. And he's like, well, he said, just let me know if anything changes. And I kind of looked at him like, where did that come from? You know, and I didn't know until after, I eventually do talk to that best man later. Um, But, um, so 2017 happens. Well, no, 2016. I was trying to get my stuff, my remaining my stuff out the apartment. And my dad now, he he's he's well. He's trying to help me get the stuff out. He refused to let me in. I had to call the sheriff's office. And they said, well, man, we can't really do anything since he took your name off the lease. You have to go, you know, file legal paperwork to get to get your stuff out of there he so he pretty much took my name off of everything so I'm still trying to work everything out with him and I'm like crying I'm like I just want to get my stuff and I'm I called his grandfather I was like look can you talk to your grandson I'm trying to get my stuff out of there I'm tired of playing games with so-and-so you know he's promised me he want to get married he want to do this and all that stuff and he's playing games and his grandfather was like, did he really promise you marriage? Did he really promise you all that? And I'm like, what? So all this is going on. So 2017, like I said, he gave me the computer. He gave me the computer for Valentine's Day. Maybe that was 2016. He gave me the computer for 20, um, a computer for Valentine's Day. Then I, at the, around December, I noticed that the computer he gave me had property of the school that he was working at. So instead of going to buy me a computer, he gave me a a computer that was from the school. So it was a loaner. A loaner. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want this. This is this is large. This is theft. I don't want this. So I sent it back to him, and I, I erased all my information. I'm like, I don't want nothing. I don't want anything to do with this computer. You're still in, you're still in the computer from school. You, you're giving me a computer that's stolen um, that he purchased from his grant grant money that he got from school. And so I'm like, I don't want this computer, it was so, which is so funny because with you know, Apple products, you can pretty much trace anything. And then I kind of noticed that the computer was in Colorado. I was like, what is, what is the computer doing in Colorado? Oh, he said probably one of the students got it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, he went to he went to a conference in Colorado. And he went that was I want to say I don't remember what year 2015, but he went back again in 2016. Um he came and visited me in Houston first and then he flew up there. 
Colorado's put a pin on that. That's significant too. <laughs> um, so 2017 comes and it gets to the point where I can't reach him anymore. I'm like, I'm trying to track him down. I'm like, where are you? I, I need you for this. And, you know, I, we're, we're still trying to work the relationship out. Well, I was in my part. I was trying to work the relationship out. But he was telling me, well, I'm about to go here. I'm doing it. He's still talking to me like we're a couple. So mind you, throughout this whole period, I'm he, to back up, he didn't have his driver's license. So I helped him. His driver's license was suspended. I helped him get his driver's license. I helped him do that. I helped him because he was about to go to jail. Then I found out that um, I found some paperwork that said he was. <clears throat> this is all before everything happened. I found some paperwork that said that he owed back child support. And he said, no, that's not real. Um, the person tried to sue me for back child support. Um, we, we took care of that. The state just haven't, they haven't expunged it or something like that. And then I hear it comes up again. His, his own dad is now lying for him, saying that the child is not his. So all this is happening. So 2017, he just got really, really strange. And <clears throat> then um, what basically came down to it, October, he asked me for money. He asked me for money. I was sending him, like like we usually do, I, I was sending him money and everything. And I, I was, he wanted three hundred, three or $400 for me. I said, what do you need three or $400 for? He said, I, just, I need him to take care of this bill. I'm like, no, I don't have it. Well, he was getting ready to go to Africa. He said, I'm going for work. Yes. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to Africa uh, for work. I said, okay, where are you going to? I said, what are you doing? Because like, he works for university. They probably do recruiting, whatever he's doing. He's telling me, I'm going with doctor so-and-so and this professor and this professor. I'm like, oh, okay. So he's, he will be gone for about two and a half weeks. Understandable. So as he's in Africa, he leaves. And he calls me before he leaves. And he tells me, I love you. He said, I'm in New York. I love you. I will call. I will reach out to you when I get back. I was like, okay. So as he's in Africa, I'm reaching out to his grandparents to make sure they're okay. They have everything they need. Um, they, his grandfather was like, oh, I'm fine. You know, just wherever we're fine over here. <clears throat> so he gets back and I'm, I, 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 it's like, okay, I'm just trying to reach out. He's like, yeah, we just landed. We, we're trying to um, get a rental car um, to, to go back to the city and everything. I was like, okay, all right. So I called his office. I talked to his secretary the next day. I said, well, I tried to reach out to him. He's not answering his cell phone. Where is he? And she's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give him a call and find out. And so he blow. Now, any other time when I try to call him, he doesn't answer his phone like his phone will go straight to voicemail or I can't reach him. But that day he blew up my phone but because I was so busy, I couldn't answer it. And a few days later, I, I called again and I couldn't reach him. But this time, he's back from Africa. I, I reached out to his grandfather. And I was like, well, do you know where so-and-so is? I'm, I'm just trying to reach out, trying to get in contact with him. And his grandfather tells me, you need to leave him alone. And I'm like, what? I'm like, where is this coming from? 
where's this coming from? I'm like, leave him alone. I'm like, well, I'm in a relationship with him. He's like, no, you need to leave him alone. He don't want to be bothered with you anymore. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm confused as to what's going on now. And then a few days later, I get a phone call from his mother now. And she's telling me if I don't leave him alone, she's going to get an attorney after me. I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, I'm, I'm like completely confused as to what's going on now. And so he called me after that. He, he said, did my mother call you and tell you so-and-so? And so he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of her. He's like, she had no business doing that. You know, you, we're together. We're a couple. She had no business doing that. And so at this point, I got tired of the games. I got tired of the going back and forth. So I decided um, I'm going to contact my attorney. I had him send a letter to him and let him know, hey, um, you need to turn over X, Y, and Z. Mrs. Burrs want out, you know, Mrs. So-and-so wants out of the relationship and you need to turn over her things now at this point at this specific time and I had it sent to him certified letter my attorney sent it to him certified letter and he was like he's like did you send me did you did you do you have an attorney send me a letter I said yes I said because I want and mind you during this time I'm recording the conversation I'm recording everything now regarding him because it's like I didn't I didn't want him to come back and say well I said this and I said that I was like, I'm recording everything now um, because apparently what's going on is a bunch of lies now. So I'm like, okay, I just want my stuff back. And he starts saying you know, how, how much he loves me and that he's not going back and forth anymore with me anymore. That, um, that you know, we've, we, we've said we're going to walk away from each other. We haven't. And that he would never do anything to hurt me. I mean, just he's laying on thick at this point. And I said, I want out the relationship. That's what I told him. All this is recorded. <laughs> and he was like, I bought you something from Africa. You know, I I love you. I love you so much. I don't, I, it hurts my heart that you're doing all this. This is, this is not necessary. You, you, you. And he was, and he was like, you know what? He said, he said, he said, this is what you want. The relationship is over. I said, I want out. I want out of the relationship. So uh, after we left, after we said the relationship is over with, a few days later he contacts me. Oh, I need four hundred dollars. Excuse me, what do you need four hundred dollars for? We're not in a relationship. Don't you have friends that you can contact? Well, I need $400 and as stupid me as I did, I sent the money to him. Um, my thing is I just wanted my things back. He had a bed, he had my table, TVs, every, he had everything. I had personal stuff from college in there. He had everything. And even my, like some of my clothes, I had a dress, a very expensive dress. I could not find, to this day, I think I'm going to tell you what I think. But um, so I contact one of his friends. I was going through it and I was, he was like, well, 
he was telling me about, we going to do this and we're going to do that. I'm like, who is we, who is we, I didn't have, I had a, I'm like, it's, I'm like, are you cheating? Are you, do you have somebody? You know, I'm thinking to myself. And then I contact one of his friends and she happened to be nice to me the whole time while we were together. And she's telling me, I was like, and I asked, I said, why do you think he didn't want to marry me? Why do you think that he didn't want to be with me? And she said, what do you mean? He's getting, he, he just got engaged the other day. Wow. To, to the other person. To, he got engaged a month after I walked away from him. Two weeks after my birthday, he got engaged. And what I found out was he, this person, he moved the woman into my apartment with my name on the lease. He went to Africa with her. She's Nigerian. He went to visit her at Fort Carson. She was in the military. And in Fort Carson's in Colorado, correct? In Colorado, yes. And not only that, but I also found out that she was not the only one. Remember the wedding? Yeah. Well, he had a six-month affair with one of the bridesmaids. So so that's why everyone was making eyes, but she wasn't the... uh, So the Colorado person was the winner of this uh, sweepstakes, but ultimately she doesn't know this yet. She is the big loser no, she doesn't know this. Yeah. He had a six month affair with one of the bridesmaids where the bridesmaid got pregnant. Oh. Um, from what I was told. This is devastating for you to hear. Uh, this says you're a month after, and now you're hearing all this a month later. What has happened when this, you hear all of this? Uh, I, I got all this information maybe two months later because after he got engaged, he was trying to hover back to me again. So he still was even, okay. Um, so at, I guess at that point, um, you want, you want nothing to do with him. You're, um, do you, uh, do you start seeking out what has happened? Yeah, this this is how I found out because uh, oh, no, person- seeking out like what like, like uh, that he is a narcissist and well at this time I didn't know I didn't know um, yeah I was just getting all this information a third party told me because this because he apparently did some things to this person and she didn't this person didn't care for him and uh-huh. he this person knew what he was doing the entire time well my question to this person like, if you knew all this why you didn't come tell me. So you knew the whole time that we were together that he, he was cheating with X, Y, and Z. She said, yeah, I would go pick, pick the girls up and bring them to the house. And he would go out with these girls. We'd go have dinner with these girls. He'd be right, and you'd be at home. His friend, that was from grad school, and his wife. And I'm like, I can't believe this. He said, from what I was told, this person told me, you don't want to know the number of women he's been with. You just happen to be the primary one, but there were so many other women 
besides this one. So how, how have you recovered or tried to um, make sense of it all? I had to have legal action taken against him. Um, I told him, I said, I want a contract drawn up that he is not to contact me ever. He's not to contact my family. He's not to contact my friends. He's not to contact anyone near me and not to try to even contact them through me. I said, if he does, he will have a restraining order placed on him. And that he was to sign a no contact agreement. I was going to sign it too. I had no problem signing because I had no reason to contact him. After everything I heard, the, the cheating, the lying, the manipulation, the gaslighting, because I mean, I got to the, it got so much to the point I was drinking every day just to make it, just to deal with the pain. That's how bad it was. I was literally trying to numb the pain. I was drinking every day. So I was willing to sign his no contact. He refused to sign the no contact clause. <clears throat> Simple clause saying that I'm not going to contact this person. I'm not going to contact her family. I'm not going to contact her friend. He refused to sign it. Why are, you, why are you refusing to sign this? If you so much in a new relationship, you're going to have this wonderful life with this person. You have no problem signing that line. Am I right? So he had, he had, he didn't want to sign it. I eventually I got, I, I got maybe two things back. I'm pretty sure he destroyed the rest of my stuff. So how am I dealing with this now? I've, I've been out of the relationship for a year and five months. No, year, seven months. I left November, 2017. <clears throat> I found, I found out all, I found out everything in January, 2018. So about officially, I, I've, I have not had any contact with him. Um, I have had to block all his family all his friends from Facebook, all social media. I blocked everyone. I have no contact with them. I think his cousin said something one time. I, I forgot to block her on my profile and with something nasty. I just immediately blocked her. Um, I've been in counseling for the past year and a half dealing with the abuse, because not only that, but not only the emotional abuse, there were times he told me, I will punch you in your face. There's times he's pushed me down, pushed me down so hard that my head hit the wall. <clears throat> um, the verbal abuse to the point where I was lashing out at him. I was cursing back at him. I guess they call it reactive abuse, reactive. Because um, I couldn't take it anymore. So I've been in counseling. I've been seeing a counselor for a year. I've been, I just, I've been trying to work on myself. I've been doing a lot of yoga. I've done kickboxing, which actually helped out for a while. I lost a lot of weight because I gained a lot of weight that last year in the relationship. And I lost maybe 40 pounds. So I've been, been trying to keep myself busy. As far as dating wise, I'm not trying to date anyone right now. Um, I just, I, I'm very, I'm very careful about who comes around me now. It, it, 
And did your therapist or when you spoke to someone, are you dealing with probably, are you dealing with like C-complex PTSD? Yes, I'm dealing with CPTSD. Yes, I'm dealing with that. I have anxiety. There's days I I, I will have flashbacks. I remember, was it last year? And I, I was somewhere with my sister and I just broke down crying. And she's like, why are you crying? I just broke down crying because I had a flashback of something that he did. Um, I, my advice, I mean, I, I was, I was trying to determine if I should do this interview or not, but I realized that if I would have known the red flags, if I would have known what a narcissist is, I would never got involved with one. These people are monsters. These people don't, you're nothing but a pawn in their life. They don't care about you. They don't love you. Everything, everything I went through was fake. The relationship was fake. That's the, that's the hardest thing I think. And that's the hardest thing to accept. Uh, wrap our brain around, you know, uh, other people that I've had on this show. It, it really, a lot of time, it comes down to that everything we knew wasn't real. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. You know, they're telling you they love you, that they care about you, and he is so many. Now going back on it, I I, I do have flashbacks where he, I'm like, wow, that was a sign. Well, that happened. You know, this person, he's telling me this person calling him. And I'm actually talking to this person. It was someone he was cheating with. <laughs> like, simple stuff like that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, he's telling me hey, about threesomes he's had and everything. They tell you what they're doing. They're telling you who they are. You need to listen. You need to listen, yeah. You need to listen. They're telling you what type of person they are. And... When, when when you see people all of a sudden get stoic or get kind of standoffish around them, pay attention to those signs. You know, listen to when people tell you, I don't want anything to do with them. You know, those those are signs right there. But um, it just so, you know, it wasn't your fault. No, it yeah. wasn't my fault. I, I, and I'm and I'm I'm still struggling to accept that. Um, my, my therapist has been telling me lately, it's not your fault. That was all him. And I'm I'm now coming to terms that it wasn't my fault. He chose me for a reason. For, yeah. Just like he chose this other person. She doesn't realize that she's being used. He's a pawn. He he got he got engaged to her. He knew I wanted to get married. He knew I wanted to have children. He got engaged a month after I left him. And his sister was helping him. You know, I was confiding in his sister the whole time as to what was going on. And she was helping him Mm -hmm. to cheat on me. Well, their whole family sounds um, despicable. Yes. And um, who who knows what goes on within the walls or the confines of that family. Uh, I don't want to find out. I'm sure you don't either. No. Um, you found out a little, but like to live in that kind of household, I'm sure 
is not. Oh, it's they're 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 completely dysfunctional. Yeah, completely dysfunctional. The whole family is on both sides. So, have you gone to any like codependent anonymous type of things, or gone into looking like I've, support groups, or? I have gone I've, when I first came out of it. I did go to a support group um, with other um, kind of helpful women that w- that came out of domestic abuse. Because um, I I did go through that, went through a lot of it. Um, even even after I I moved to Houston, I I went through all that. I still went through domestic abuse because I was going back and forth. Um, I've my therapist has done EDMR on me. Yes, she's done that on me. Um, she's going to do another EDMR session with me um, next month um, because she did EDMR on the on the law school thing. Because for some, I, I guess I was traumatized by that. I didn't know, but I was traumatized by that. Um, she's going to do another EDMR session with me next month, um, and I just I just want to. Because I had narcissistic therapists too. <laughs> oh, so you you have a second therapist now? No, no. Oh. In the past, no. This is before I oh, before okay. I before I met him. I had a narcissistic therapist, and it, when I tell you, they do more damage than good. Oh yeah. So everyone <laughs> out there, this is a good lesson for people if, who haven't gone to therapy. When you're looking for a therapist, there are uh, narcissistic therapists out there. There are psychopaths that are therapists. They're a therapist. Not every therapist is a good therapist. And, yeah. um, and and I hate to say this, his friend, the friend that was helping him, the guy, he's a therapist. This this world is screwed up. Yeah, he's a therapist. Yeah. He's a therapist. And he had quite a few friends who are therapists. And they were helping him screw over me. So Yeah, and whoever, <laughs> everyone else out there, whoever thinks that um, narcissists or... Uh, psychopaths or sociopaths are one element of society. Uh, everyone in the story today is highly educated. Yes, PhDs, everything. Highly, yeah. highly educated. And that uh, the wolves come in all types of uh, clothing. And uh, yeah. doctors, lawyers, and one, you know, so. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've been in therapy. I've been doing that and i've been doing yoga i've been i've I've been traveling i've just been focusing on myself i'm not trying to jump into another relationship with anyone right now um just rediscover who you are yeah rediscover who i am you know try new things um so irene before we uh end off here do you have any last uh thing you want to say to help everyone out there the one thing I want to say is educate yourself. What I've been doing is educating myself about narcissism, what to look for. Um, try not to keep you from living your life. It, yeah, it's, just look at it as a bleep in your life and that you have, now that part of your life is over. You have a better life now because you know what not to look. You know what to look for now. What not to get involved with. So just live your best life and realize that your best life is without that person. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us today. I know. I'm sorry. I've been so long with. There's so much that happened in eight years. Out. My mind is like racing as to as to 
Uh, oh, no, I think every, everyone's going to learn a lot from uh, your story, and uh, you're going to help. A, you're going to help a lot of people. And that is where the audio went fuzzy, so I had to cut it right there. And that was my conversation with Irene. It was quite the conversation. She's been through a lot. Uh, her CPTSD is strong within her, and she's still uh, on the recovery today. I, I briefly texted with her today, and it's still giving her some problems. She's still having some triggers. So I know myself and the whole entire community with me is sending Irene positive vibes and virtual hugs. And I really hope that Irene continues to progress and get better. And again, I just want to thank Irene for being on the show and being part of the show as one of uh, my first guests. And again, my apologies for it taking so long to come out. Uh, besides that, before we leave, just a reminder to visit our Reddit page if you want to discuss this episode. I'll have some stuff up there tomorrow. So go to reddit.com and look up the subreddit Narcissist Apocalypse with a capital N and a capital A on Apocalypse. Also, once again, if you want to be on the show, even though we have a backlog of episodes, you can always reach out at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Just drop us a line there. Tell me a bit of your story. I'll go through it through it and we'll i'll get back and forth with you also if you just want to send me notes send me a note there as well and if you want to read a letter to your narcissist as i mentioned at the beginning of the episode we have a voicemail recorder a recorder a voicemail recorder on our website to record just go to narcissistapocalypse.com it's on the right hand side of the page it's always floating around there it's pretty hard to miss we're accumulating these letters to have a volume two of our letters to a narcissist episode which i'm looking forward to because that means i'm bringing uh, my friend back, who's my friend, Melissa, and everyone loves Melissa. She, you know, if you listen to the earlier episodes, Melissa was uh, my first person that I actually interviewed, and then she became a mainstay. So I want to bring Melissa back because everyone loves Melissa. And now, that's it. The nap is over. That's right. I used the name from the beginning. The nap is over. And until next episode, just take care of yourselves. <laughs>